so I would record um, straight away as soon as I got up this morning. So I'm sat here in my pyjamas and haven't even brushed my teeth. <laughs> it's been many days that have gone by that I've wanted to record but something's come up or I've been making more of an effort to be a bit more social as of late so that seems to have taken precedent or there's been times when I thought I could do that and also record an episode in that day but seems like it's not been possible until now This is a podcast on my spiritual journey, just simply recording and being aware and sharing. From time to time I'd like to also talk about things that may have helped me. And so in you know, I've mentioned some books in the past by Cabo Mate and I guess ultimately it all points to being in this place of peace and and beingness. But it may not be directly related to this path. Or, or perhaps it is. Some things can be contradictory. So recently I listened to a podcast on on breathing, which can sound quite funny because, you know, we can all think we're all, you know, we're pretty good at breathing and we've been doing it our whole life. <laughs> and in the past, I, you know, through guided meditations, I've talked about using the diaphragm to take a full breath And what I listened to recently was about nasal breathing, breathing through your nose, and the benefits of doing so. And for me this was very interesting because I tend to lack energy and stamina and And I suffer from anxiety as well. And so with the inclusion of nasal breathing, this can, you know, benefit many aspects of health. And what I would do is I would include a link to a podcast talk that I listen to and also the book by this reporter who spent some time researching and talking to people who are living this way, who are, you know, using this, who are breathing in this way. 
So I thought that might be useful for you. It seems to be useful for me. I was um, jogging the other day and doing my best to breathe through my nose. It was it was a struggle because my nose seems quite closed up and probably because of the 30 years of, of breathing through my mouth so so I was struggling along you know sucking up air through my nose and probably looked quite funny doing so as I as I jogged but even with the blockages in my nose or my nose not being so open I could immediately feel an increase in stamina that the oxygen going through my nose was of a different quality the breath was a different quality than if I was you know breathing through my mouth which apparently we can over breathe quite easily and and with the mouth it's, it's not it's not as a precise instrument for breathing you know so the nose is more of a precise instrument for breathing the bodies we have so I won't talk any further on it um, probably from fear of uh, not having a full understanding something I need to perhaps read up further on as well so I'll include these links in there for anyone who you know that might interest and I guess all of this is a way to to be more peaceful in life, to be to you know to experience life more, and even something as simple as changing the way you breathe. You know, perhaps it will add clarity to each moment. And once again, there's been uh, thoughts about, you know, writing. In the past, I have written uh, poetry and fiction uh, for many years and, uh, you know, had the aspiration to become published. So I'd write, write novels and send them off to agents. And, and I've taken a break from writing for s- several months. And largely because of my health, I was trying to re- relieve any pressure on my mental health. And I noticed I was putting a, a lot of pressure or perhaps maybe expectation. Or perhaps the idea of trying to be a good writer that in itself evoked thoughts and feelings about, you know, that included pressure and so so the idea of writing has come up again in my journey for me and I'm trying to almost bring it into my awareness so if it's something that is there strong enough and I do pursue it again or I do start writing that it's done from a place of centeredness. It's not. It's not done from a place of imbalance, where 
I am trying to gain something and something is on the line and there's almost a tension there you think about a lot of people at the moment who are trying to achieve something there's a huge amount of stress and pressure it's almost something combusting that you know if they don't achieve it then it's there's going to be lots of pain and they, it's almost used you know psychologically used to try and push you to achieve but as an observation to that there's a lot of tension There's lots of mind activity there to, to keep that goal talk, to keep it in, to keep driven in that way. So I'm almost in a sense reprogramming or reapproaching the sense of writing. So it's done in the capacity of my presence instead of my mind concocting a narrative to try and, you know, okay, you know, before I had the identity as a writer. You know, there was purpose there, there was self-esteem that I'm not somebody that doesn't have a job or, you know, I, I, I took a sense of self from being a writer. Okay, I'm doing something important or something worthy of me being here. And now I've seen through that identity, I'm still trying to peel away from it. It's almost now finding my relationship with writing. And it's, you know, goals are okay to have, but for me, I want to make sure that whatever it is I do, you know, in this case, let's just say it's writing, it's not going to impinge on my, my presence. It's not going to take me back into ego or back into mind activity. The mind is needed to write. You can engage the mind, but, you know, you don't have to, you know, fully disconnect. You don't have to lose the connection, the anchor to now. And what, a lot of what drove me to write was, was pain. I drove, you know, I couldn't stand being in pain, so I put it on the page so almost the, the vehicle of writing was done almost to avoid the present moment in some ways. and But in another sense, writing brought me back to the present moment. I had to, to be present, to listen to what wanted to be created as well. So perhaps that's something for me to, to figure out. And maybe it's a case of just actually not thinking too much about whether I should or should not and perhaps you know as an experiment just start writing and see how it feels and see if there's some you know if something caused me to, to continue that sometimes we can overcomplicate things with analysis and thoughts and you know this is a prime example of this here with you know, whether I should write or I shouldn't write. That itself is a lot of mind activity happening there. When perhaps I could just simply put myself in a present state or remain in a present state and just write, see what comes up.
often the answers are in the now. Some answers may come, well I guess in, in a sense all answers come in the now, but perhaps some time goes by before clarity appears. Okay, that's something I shouldn't do or something I should do. And if perhaps if things are unclear, then maybe I need to go deeper into the now to, to almost see, you know, what arises, to see, you know, what, in a sense, what does the universe need from me or want from me. And I find that's a much more aligned way than using the mind to try and you know, filter through desires and perhaps it's as simple as that to, to, to go deeper and listen because in a sense it's all consciousness that's making things happen that's, you know, we talk about the river of life Everything that's constantly moving right now, everything's vibrating and alive. And it's quite bizarre sometimes to think, you know, if you look at our narrow mind, to think that you know, we are we are doing, we are creating. You know, creating is happening through us, but it's but it's but if you try to find the creator in you the egoic creator, then your search won't last long. You'll immediately realise, oh, there's nobody here. <laughs> Sometimes by, by doing a self-inquiry, the problem you had originally, you realise how unimportant it is you know, we can stick to this, you know, talk about writing and doing a self-inquiry and, you know, fully connecting back to the now, you can realise, oh, I don't need to think about this at the moment or it's, why am I spending my mind energy trying to figure out if I should do this or not? Yes, the mind wants to know, the mind always wants to know everything, it wants everything resolved in this moment doesn't want to wait. It wants that next moment to happen now, it wants it to be resolved now. You know, as things are in a moment, it's, it's not good enough for the mind. <laughs> but it's only when you connect to now, experience it as well. Not just connect in the concept, thinking, okay, there's the now. You know, I still want this resolved though. You know, you fully immerse in the now and see what, and see if that problem arises. And if it does, perhaps it's addressed in a new way. Perhaps some of the 
the urgency of the mind is removed and there is a, a different clarity to it. Where maybe you don't need to resolve all of it. It's maybe you could think, okay, a lot of this stuff wasn't important, but this one thing for this situation I can do, and that can be resolved. But you almost get a clearer perspective on things when you're connecting back into the now. And we're so used to using the mind as the instrument to, you know, to look at reality. But only when you've experienced the now, you realise how limited it is and, and unreliable it is as well. But through conditioning of many years, decades of conditioning of, of you know, consulting the mind for everything, for judgments, for decisions, for opinions you know, wanted or unwanted, you know, that wiring of using, you know, of um, reacting and going straight into the mind, you know, you can only imagine the, the deep conditioning that's, that's occurred over the past, for me, 35 years, <laughs> it's a lot of conditioning. I think they say in, in 90 days you can create a strong habit, so can only imagine what 35 years could do. Hmm. So with that, you can almost be compassionate to yourself when you do, you know, find yourself consulting in the mind or or just being in the mind trying to work something out and you're thinking, oh, God, you know, I shouldn't, what have I been doing for the last half an hour? Or when you realise perhaps this may not be the right way for you to to approach this, you can just be compassionate, just understand that there is a deep conditioning there and just move into the now without without any frustration, you can kind of let go of that egoic frustration you know, the mind may think, oh see you know, you haven't been present this whole time have you, and you know, it may even poke fun or you know, berate you saying, you know, see, you can't stay in the present moment. <laughs> you know, what's the point? You know, just, it's it's not working. And these are just simply thoughts. And, and you can see them for what they are. So perhaps we can take a, a moment to to deepen in the now. And whatever that means to you, whether it's slowing down the breath, whether it's feeling the the aliveness of the inner body by holding your hands out and closing your eyes and and experiencing the aliveness in the hands to know that the hands are there and you don't need to see them you can feel the aliveness or whether it's done through observing nature you're 
there is a window nearby and you can see the trees or any vegetation or the sky or anything in your surrounding environment. Perhaps there's something there that you can rest your awareness on or close your eyes and be aware of the inner silence. Sometimes it's, it can be useful to glance back into the past and, and see the progress that's been made. And I was reminded by someone how sometimes the company you keep, it may remind you of, of how you were before. There may be people in your life that may not be on this path and you may see patterns or you know in what is said you may see oh I remember you know this was how I was before because you can almost see the similar you know the similarity of of human behavior of you know human pain human suffering it's all very familiar, and you may see that more in others as well. You know the suffering caused by by the false self. And perhaps that may evoke compassion in you also, or perhaps you may be in a position to help. To offer some of you know some pointings to what this suffering is, or or you know where this suffering comes from, the root of the suffering. Often it's you know it's almost a social acceptance when somebody's suffering, 
there's you know something that can be blamed a situation or an individual that can be blamed this is why i'm in pain when of course we know that this is not the case but this is of course part of the conditioning of the mind you know the mind that says it must be you know that person's fault it must be because this happened if this didn't happen, I would be absolutely fine. I'd be happy and I'd be fine. But because of this, you know, so perhaps that's something you may recognize. And perhaps in that moment you can, you know, step into gratitude to think, oh. and in the gratitude it won't be, you know, Comparing yourself to others, it can it just connecting to yourself and just be grateful for the awareness of the present moment. A place of emptiness or lightness where you're not carrying around the past with you. Because, you know, you can often, you know, people do that. They it's almost as if they have an invisible suitcase over their shoulders with all of their past with them. And it's important to them as well. For what's happened in the past, it's important. You know, the ego seeks itself from it. You know, this is all the things I've been through. This is who I am. And there's not the realisation of the heaviness of carrying all of that baggage. Because you can perhaps ask somebody, you know, of a painful situation and it's almost as if they've got a suitcase there and they can pull out that volume of that situation, of the heavy book of that situation, open it and they could probably, you know, give you a full detailed account. People's facial expressions, their tone of voice, what I did and what I said. <laughs> and that's all with them, all of that weight and stress and tension or you can step into the freedom of now without any luggage at all <laughs> okay so Perhaps I'll read a little bit more from The Miracle of Mindfulness. This passage is titled Taking Hold of One's Breath. Thus, Mindfulness is at the same time a means and an end, the seed and the fruit. When we practice mindfulness in order to build up concentration, mindfulness is a seed. But mindfulness itself is the life of awareness. The presence of mindfulness means the presence of life and therefore 
mindfulness is also the fruit. Mindfulness frees us of forgetfulness and dispersion and makes it possible to live fully each minute of life. Mindfulness enables us to live. You should know how to breathe to maintain mindfulness as breathing is a natural and extremely effective tool which can prevent dispersion. Breath is the bridge which connects life to consciousness, which unites your body to your thoughts. Whenever your mind becomes scattered, use your breath as the means to take hold of your mind again. Breathe in lightly and breathe in lightly a fairly long breath, conscious of the fact that you are inhaling a deep breath. Now breathe out all the breath in your lungs, remaining conscious the whole time of the exhalation. The Sutra of Mindfulness teaches the method to take hold of one's breath in the following manner. Be ever mindful you breathe in and mindful you breathe out. Breathing in a long breath, you know I am breathing in a long breath. Breathing out a long breath, you know I am breathing out a long breath. Breathing in a short breath, you know I am breathing in a short breath. Breathing out a short breath, you know I am breathing out a short breath. Experiencing a whole breath body I shall breathe in, thus you train yourself, experiencing the whole breath body, I shall breathe out, thus you train yourself, calming the activity of the breath body, I shall breathe in, thus you train yourself, calming the activity of the breath body, I shall breathe out, thus you train yourself. In a Buddhist monastery, everyone learns to use breath as a tool to stop mental dispersion and to build up concentration power. Concentration power is the strength which comes from practicing mindfulness. It is the concentration which can help one obtain the great awakening. When a worker takes hold of his own breath, he has already become awakened. In order to maintain mindfulness throughout a long period, we must continue 
to watch our breath. It is autumn here and the golden leaves falling one by one are truly beautiful. Taking a ten minute walk in the woods, watching my breath and maintaining mindfulness, I feel refreshed and restored. Like that, I can really enter into a communion with each leaf. Of course, walking alone on a country path, it is easier to maintain mindfulness. If there's a friend by your side, not talking but also watching his breath, then you can continue to maintain mindfulness without difficulty. But if the friend at your side begins to talk, it becomes a little more difficult. If in your mind you think, I wish this fellow would quit talking (laughs) so I could concentrate, you have already lost your mindfulness. But if you think instead, if he wishes to talk, I will answer, but I will continue in mindfulness, aware of the fact that we are walking along this path together, aware of what we say, I can continue to watch my breath as well. If you can give rise to that thought, you will be continuing in mindfulness. It is harder to practice in such situations than when you are alone. But if you can continue to practice nonetheless, you will develop the ability to maintain much greater concentration. There is a line from a Vietnamese folk song that says, Hardest of all is to practice the way at home second in the crowd, and third in the pagoda. It is only in an active and demanding situation that mindfulness really becomes a challenge. So just to briefly touch upon that passage, And specifically on the situation when you may be with another person or with other people who may be talking. And maybe before they did or as they're doing it, you're trying to maintain mindfulness. It seems like Tay is saying here that, you know, There is no rigidity in the mindfulness. If somebody talks to you, then you can answer, but there still can be some awareness on your breathing. And this reminds me of water as well. You know, if you pour water into a container, it almost takes that shape. See, water itself is shapeless and you can almost 
compare this into your own sense of awareness. Your awareness is shapeless. If your awareness is pulled to to one side, if somebody says something to you, engages you in conversation, then you can almost embrace that conversation in, in the awareness that you had before. So there's no complaining or commentary, you know, as Tay said just there, you know, I wish this person would stop talking. Yeah. Yeah, Tai said that you've lost the mindfulness connection. This is now the mind talking or the mind complaining. And he talks about the importance of building up then we talk about the stamina or the you know the muscle of being remaining in awareness and it is the word used here is concentration and it's very apt as well because as soon as i'm engaging with another person it's it, it it's very difficult for me to maintain concentration to remain in awareness And perhaps, you know, concentration may elicit the tightness of focus and, you know, you, can, you almost feel your face tense up with the word concentration. But I think this is meant in a very relaxed way to be very alert, maybe another word, in the alertness. There isn't a tense, there isn't a you know, tensing of the face muscles of there's nothing, you know, talk, there's nothing rigid about it. So perhaps in when concentration is mentioned, it's not in the same way as, as you know, we may refer to it in our everyday language, because you know, usually concentrators are okay, better, you know, really focus my mind and, you know, tense, you know, there's a, there's a tension there more brain power, more mind power is needed, but in this sense it's almost a a narrowing of attention. Your attention becomes very you know, becomes very you know, maybe intense is another word. You you almost turn up the volume of your presence. So you're even more alert now. So when somebody is talking to you, there's a you know, there's a a larger capacity in you now to to take in that conversation in your awareness. So you're not, you know, floating away with the conversation, going into your mind and, you know, and 10 minutes later you're coming out thinking, oh, I was completely in my mind while we talked. You know, you're bring it, bringing it into your awareness, you're inviting it in. And lastly, he mentions just the, the direct connection, you know, with the body is the breath. You know, you can use that as an anchor into this moment. So when you're always aware of the breath, you're always aware of the now. The breath can only happen in the now. So 
this is a, a very useful anchor to use, especially in those you know challenging situations where it demands more attention to to stay with the breath. And maybe that this will improve the quality of the conversation, and I'm sure it will for me. I'm, you know, I can be a very fast talker, and when somebody's speaking, and I can cut them off or interrupt, and my mind's already, you know, coming up with an answer, and or I rush to respond as well. So perhaps some space in the conversation with the awareness of your breath. Perhaps you can take a breath out before speaking. One breath in and out and then you can, maybe that will give a different quality to your response to what is being said. The next passage is titled, Counting One's Breath and Following One's Breath. So this seems like this is closely connected to the previous passage. In the meditation sessions I recently began for non-Vietnamese, I usually suggest various methods that I myself have tried, methods that are quite simple. I suggest to beginners the method of following the length of the breath. The student lies back down on the floor. Then I invite all the participants to gather around, so I show them a few simple points. Number one, although inhaling and exhaling are the work of the lungs and take place in the chest area, the stomach area also plays a role. The stomach rises with the filling of the lungs. At the beginning of the breath, the stomach begins to push out, but after inhaling about two-thirds of the breath, it starts to lower again. Number two, why? Between your chest and stomach, there is a muscular membrane, the diaphragm. When you breathe in correctly, the air fills the lower part of the lungs first, before the upper lungs fill with air. The diaphragm pushes down on the stomach, causing the stomach to rise when you have filled your upper lungs with air. The chest pushes out and causes the stomach to lower again. Number three. This is why, in former times, people spoke of the breath as originating at the navel and terminating at the nostrils. For beginners, lying down to practice breathing is very helpful. The important thing is to guard against making too much of an effort too great an effort can be dangerous for the lungs, especially when the lungs are weak from many years of incorrect breathing. 
In the beginning, the practitioner should lie on his or her back, on a thin mat or blanket, the two arms loosely at the sides. Don't prop your head on a pillow. Focus your attention on your exhalation. And watch how long it is. Measure it slowly by counting in your mind. One, two, three. After several times, you will know the length of your breath. Perhaps it is five. Now try to extend the exhalation for one more count or two so that the exhalation's length becomes six or seven. Begin to exhale counting from one to five. When you reach five, rather than immediately inhaling as before, try to extend the exhalation to six or seven. This way, you will empty your lungs of more air. When you have finished exhaling, pause for an instant to let your lungs take in fresh air on their own. Let them take in just as much air as they want without making any effort. The inhalation will normally be shorter than the exhalation. Keep a steady count in your mind to measure the length of both. Practice several weeks like this, remaining mindful of all your exhalations and inhalations while lying down. If you have a clock with a loud tick, you can use it to help to keep track of the length of your inhalation and exhalation. Continue to measure your breath while walking, sitting, standing, and especially whenever you are outdoors. While walking, you might use your steps to measure your breath. After a month or so, the difference between the length of your exhalation and inhalation will lessen, gradually evening out until they are of equal measure. If the length of your exhalation is six, the inhalation will also be six. If you feel at all tired while practicing, stop at once. But if, but even if you do not feel tired, don't prolong the practice of long, equal breaths beyond short periods of time. 10 to 20 breaths are enough. The moment you feel the least fatigue, return your breathing to normal. Fatigue is an excellent mechanism of our bodies and the best advisor as to whether one should rest or continue. In order to measure your breath, you can count 
or use a rhythmic phrase that you like. If the length of your breath is six, you might use, instead of numbers, the six words, my heart is now at peace. If the length is seven, you might use, I walk on the new green earth. A Buddhist might say, I take refuge in the Buddha. For a Christian, it could be our Father who art in heaven. When you are walking, each step should correspond to one word. So that passage, Tai gave some, gave a short technique there for when feeling fatigued. When feeling fatigued, you can extend the extend the breath, the the inhale and exhale. Where you're almost, you know, powering your body up for those twenty minutes. You're giving it almost a you know, a boost. But he recommended not to do that for more than twenty minutes. And the important tool he mentioned or technique is to use the diaphragm. When breathing, always, you know, to use the diaphragm where possible, but, and also specifically this technique of extending your breath, of, of completely emptying your lungs and then taking in a breath for as long as your lungs need, without effort, so you're not, I think I mentioned before about over-breathing, you're only taking in what your lungs need, and then you're exhaling, measuring the exhale as well, with a, a count or a phrase. And this is mentioned in many videos, the you know, the practice of the inhale and exhale and in this you know Buddhist tradition there's you know what they call walking meditation so where each movement is done in awareness so the lifting of the foot you know the bending of the knee the foot coming down to touch the ground and then the movement of the other foot moving as well. So each, you know, the whole movement is the meditation along with the breath. And it's said here that, you know, your footsteps can be used as a measure also to do um, conscious breathing. And you mentioned for beginners to perhaps practice lying down. Maybe that's a simpler way to, to begin the practice. Maybe that will allow, you know, for full attention to be on the breathing versus sitting up, you know, perhaps. There'll be less attention on your body, but more on the breathing.
So I can understand with the reading of this, it may be slightly unclear what a technique and so you may, you know, may, may have to rewind or or it might be easier to to read the words in the book itself because I, I can understand um, especially the way it's read, you know, I can understand sometimes the way I'm reading it, it may not flow as as smoothly as it could, so I can understand it, you know, some confusion can arise there with the mentioning of you know the instructions of this technique but I hope some of it has come through and maybe you can experiment with it as well so you know perhaps there's a time when you're feeling fatigued maybe you can do a count of breath to measure your breath and then do an extra couple of counts with the exhalation and extend the breath. The next passage is called Quiet Breathing, and uh, this will be the last one I read. I think it's a fairly short passage, so I'm just aware of the time. I think we're in 53 minutes, so I think a large part of that is me being talking about. <laughs> my stuff of writing so perhaps we can do one more passage this passage is called quiet breathing your breath should be light even and flowing like a thin stream of water running through the sand your breath should be very quiet so quiet that a person sitting next to you cannot hear it. Your breathing should flow gracefully, like a river, like a water snake crossing the water, and not like a chain of rugged mountains or the gallop of a horse. To master our breath, is to be in control of our bodies and minds. Each time we find ourselves dispersed and find it difficult to gain control of ourselves by different means, the method of watching the breath should always be used. The instant you sit down to meditate, begin watching your breath. At first, Breathe normally, gradually letting your breathing slow down until it is quiet, even, and the lengths of the breaths are fairly long. From the moment you sit down to the moment your breathing has become deep and silent, be conscious of everything that is happening in yourself. As the Buddhist Sutra of Mindfulness says, breathe, breathing in a long breath, you know I am breathing in a long breath. Breathing out a long breath, the practitioner knows I am breathing out a long breath. Breathing in a short breath, you know I am breathing in a short breath.
breathing out a short breath. You know I am breathing out a short breath. Experiencing the whole breath body, I shall breathe in. Thus you train yourself. Experiencing the whole breath body, I shall breathe out. Thus you train yourself. Calming the activity of the breath body, I shall breathe in. Thus you train yourself. Calming the activity of the breath body, I shall breathe out. Thus you train yourself. After about 10 to 20 minutes, your thoughts will have quieted down like a pond on which not even a ripple stirs. Thank you for joining me for this episode. As always, I wish you well in this moment and I'll speak to you again very soon. Take care.